everyone, this is episode 708 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, February 21st, 2020. I am your host, Marcus Ness, and today I've got some stuff to talk about. I've played some games, I've watched some things, and I've used some things, like a toilet. That's right, I'm a big kid now. I can wipe my own ass. And yeah, one piece of news also caught my attention. Not the piece of news you're probably thinking of. I don't know if there was a big piece of news, but one stood out at me that I just want to talk about, and not so much earnestly. I just, I think it's, I think it's weird and a little bit stupid, and, and people are maybe excited, but I, I don't care. And I, I guess that's not a, a great thing to do. It's like, oh, I'm going to rain on people's parade. I just, I just want to bring it up because I was shocked that this thing existed, but we, or we're getting news about someone attached to it now, which may hint to what I'm talking about. And I will, I will talk about it in a way that is positive and that I, I think if some things were changed, I could be interested. But anywho, before I get to that, let me tell you what exactly you have to look forward to on this episode. So, in terms of what I've been playing, I played the demo of Pumpkin Jack, which is available on Steam. This is a 3D platformer coming out in Q4 2020, at least that's the planned release. And it's a pretty short demo. You jump around a little bit, you collect some collectibles a little bit, you smash some enemies a little bit, and then you take down a boss in the very end. And then it's over. And it's not too bad. It's pretty good foundation there. There are some things in the demo that I was not a fan of, and who knows if those things in particular will change, but solid foundation. I like 3D platformers. I wish we'd get more of these. And yeah, I'm excited to see more of the game as it progresses. Then I also played zero, 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 zero. That's four zeros, uh, which is a game that is a, a 2D platformer that is a challenging platformer. You could call this platformer, I guess, but I, I feel like Happily, Splatformer as a term came and went very quickly, but I do think there would be a good reason, or it would be nice to have a term for these specific type of platformers where it's about dying a lot and restarting instantly, which is a a very specific thing, I think, for certain platformers, is that instant restart that is very... It's not that it's satisfying, but it really makes it easy to keep playing. If you have to wait for a game to load, that is just that is a killer, especially in the game where you're gonna you're gonna die a lot, um, which I know is a problem for like Bloodborne at launch. Uh, so any game where you have to restart a lot or you die a lot and have to respawn, you want it to be quick. And so these type of games I like. But uh, 0000 takes a lot of inspirations from the N series, which I adore. And when I say it takes inspirations, you are starting in a designated spot. You're going to a little switch that's like a little block that is floating. That is kind of like the switch in N. And then it opens up the door, which is located where you started the level. And then you have to get back there. And you're avoiding homing missiles, bullets, other such things. And it's just, it's very, very end. Except it has fewer levels. It doesn't feel as good. And there are other frustrations to it. Uh, I did a video for review for that, as well as the game I'll be mentioning right after this. But it's not too bad. It's just that if you 
are looking for a platformer and you've somehow missed N++, the latest entry in the N series, uh, while 0000 is $5 and it's an easy 1,000 achievement points or platinum trophy, so you can get it for that if you want it for that. But um, the N++ game is only $15 and has a shitload more content and is the best purchase you can make if you're a fan of platformers. I adore it. Then I also played Read Remastered, another platformer, which is, I think, probably a mobile game ported because it's a very zoomed-in game. But it, it does look good. It just is very zoomed in. And you're playing a cat, I believe, who has to go. <laughs> it's very much the same kind of setup where you're going to a switch. But it's not a switch. It's a block. You collect the block, and then a door will appear. But the door doesn't appear where you started the level. So it's different in that sense. Um, and I like that game, but the controls are a bit slippery. And that killed its chance of being truly great 50 levels in another short game but um yeah i still liked it overall uh, i'll get more to that I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself right now then i also played some project starship which i'll be doing a video review for probably early next week i might put it out on the weekend i'm not sure but um that is a shmup that is it is super janky and feels like a home project that is somewhat charming because of the jank of it all. But I'll get more. I'll get to more of that a little bit later. Then AO International Tennis two came out. I played the one minus the two, the first one, because it's pretty cheap. And I'm like, I want to play a tennis game. And spoilers before I get into it more depth, it is not bad. The Tennis World Tour game, I think, is the other one that is out on current consoles, current, on the current generation. That game is garbage from what I played. This one is pretty good. Though it's there may be a, a mode for this type of play or not, but it, it definitely feels more sim-like than arcade uh, At least in the controls, there's a lot more fine-tuning to it all because you're always placing your ball... But yeah, then I watched High Fidelity, the TV series. I also watched the movie again because the TV series made me want to do it. Not exactly for the right reasons. And then I watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the movie about Fred. No, not about Fred Rogers, but framed within an episode of Mr. Rogers and about his friendship with a reporter who's Name in real life, I can't remember, but in the movie, his name is Lloyd. And I have some problems with that. I have problems with the High Fidelity TV show as well. And I'll get to those after this piece of news. So Randy Pitchford, early in the week, I think maybe on Tuesday, let it slip on Twitter. He quickly deleted the tweet. I don't know how quickly, because people saw it. I mean, it doesn't matter how quickly you delete it. People will see something within seconds and then screenshot it. Uh, he let it slip that Eli Roth is making the Borderlands movie. And everyone was like, oh my god, Eli Roth is making a Borderlands movie? He's attached to do the directing of the movie? And I was like, <laughs> there's a fucking Borderlands movie being made? I guess this was announced a while ago. I either never heard that or just 
forgot about it because I I can't imagine a Borderlands movie being good. But that is because for me, the Borderlands games are and always have been about the gameplay loop and the gameplay itself. I never ever gave any shits about the story or the characters. In some ways, they actively made me want to not play. A lot of people love Tiny Tina. I think Tiny Tina is a garbage piece of shit character. There is not a single part of Borderlands, any of them, that I ever found funny. I would skip all the story as soon as I could because I just hate the writing and all of that in the games. But there are people like it. I've thought about going to the Tales of the Borderlands games because people who have been not so hot on the story in the mainline games have been fans of that, but I I can't imagine myself liking that. But, um, yeah. Eli Roth is attached to direct the Borderlands movie. And it seems like a weird fit since all I know him uh, as a director is making horror movies and some torture porn movies. I just, I don't see how he fits in it. But um, when I was thinking about the Borderlands movie and trying to be a bit more positive, I thought, you know who I'd like to see make a movie about Borderlands? Robert Rodriguez. I think he would fit that world very well, tonally, stylistically, and I think he could make a good Borderlands movie. He's got a good sense of humor that I think would suit the world uh, of Borderlands very well. He can do action. He's worked on a movie that has used rotoscoping, which is the the process they would go through to uh, make Borderlands the movie look like Borderlands the game to give it that cel-shaded look. You know, it, it wouldn't look like the way Sin City turned out, but it would be more in the, the vein of A Scanner Darkly or that TV show Undone on, I think, Amazon from the, the makers of BoJack Horseman which I haven't seen because I I hated BoJack, so I just never bothered checking out their second show. But I think Robert Rodriguez could potentially make a good Borderlands movie. Eli Roth, I I don't know what he's made outside of Cabin Fever and Hostel, and I think Hostel too. And I just like, his name attached to anything does not excite me. So I'm just not excited at all about this Borderlands movie. But I wanted to bring it up because I had no idea that a Borderlands movie was in the works. And I'm not excited about it. Anywho, so getting back to what I've been playing. Uh, Pumpkin Jack is a 3D platformer in the vein of 3D platformers from the PS2 era, I'd say. And even the game itself is like, hey, it harkens back to the Jack and Daxter and medieval games. And that's fitting. So you are... Jack the Pumpkin Man, or whatever his name. What is it, the Pumpkin King? Jack the Pumpkin King, I think is his name. I don't know. I don't know all the the lore of the pumpkin dude. But the kingdom of boredom, which is known as Boredom Kingdom, is so boring, and the devil is bored out of his mind looking at this kingdom, so he sends a bunch of shit there to try and make it more exciting. And they, the people of Boredom Kingdom, get this wizard to try and stop all this bad from happening. And that makes the devil angry. So he 
brings you back. But I don't, I don't know who who is Jack supposed to be because in the story it's like he summons Jack and puts him into the skin of a pumpkin. So who is Jack actually? Is Jack not a pumpkin? And he just is somebody who's been summoned inside of a pumpkin? What's all the what's the lore of the pumpkin king? But he summons you and then you have to go get to the wizard and kill that fucker before he can screw anything up. Uh I don't know why I don't know why I had to call him an effort. I, I swear enough, but that, that sounded extra mean. I'm sorry, wizard. But you jump around, you have a double jump. You find the shovel, which you use to attack enemies. And when you defeat the first boss, which is like a scarecrow, it's not like a scarecrow, it literally is a scarecrow, you get his axe, uh, which uh, I'm sure will do more damage to enemies. You have a little dodge roll. A crow buddy joins you, which I found a little bit distracting. So whenever you're moving after you meet the crow buddy, they're always flying just over your left shoulder. And it was a little bit distracting when you stop moving, the crow land on your head. And it's just, I kind of wish the crow was not on screen at all. The way the crow works is that it's kind of like Bloodwing from the Borderlands games is that when you get close enough to an enemy, the left bumper, the game has full controller support, the left bumper will show up. I, I was playing on the, or with the Xbox One controller. It'll show up over the enemy. You press it and then the bird will attack the enemy and do a little bit of damage. They might stagger them as well. I usually did it from a distance, so I didn't notice it staggering them or anything like that. And then there's a short cooldown, uh, which is a nice ability to have. You use that in the boss fight to hit the scarecrow after he stops throwing shit at you to stun him for a little bit and, and get him to fall down because he jumps up in the sky like scarecrows do and starts shooting at you with I don't know what. He's shooting at you with the big-ass bullets. And you're running away from him, and then you stagger him. And then you you beat him up a little bit. Uh, and then you also have an owl who is sort of just a helpful buddy. You, you come across him. You talk to him. He's like, hey, you can do this. You can do that. There are cauldrons which act as checkpoints that you interact with. And, yeah. The combat feels pretty good. Uh, I... I like I, I like pretty much any game that has melee combat which utilizes dodge rolling to avoid enemy attacks and it felt responsive and satisfying to hit enemies and, and satisfying to dodge out of the way which I liked and yeah not much to say about it because it's a very short demo maybe 10 minutes 15 minutes um, they had collectibles in the form of crow skulls i believe and yeah it's a solid start to what i hope is a very good game in the end uh, i don't know how much content is complete at this point but the the game looks pretty good plays well and i'm excited to play the final version when it comes out in q4 2020 whenever that actually ends up being then uh, 0, 0, 0, 0, the N-inspired 2D platformer is not too bad. It's got a, a nice challenge to it, but levels can vary in challenge wildly. Some are very easy, some are really challenging. And the thing that's frustrating about the game is that it has 100 levels, but you can't pick a level uh, yourself. 
you are just randomly thrown into one of the 100 levels whenever you die. There's no order to them, so there isn't a slow buildup in the challenge, in the, in the level of difficulty, which is frustrating. You can't replay a level after dying if you're getting the hang of a level and you're like, ah, I know what I need to do. I just screwed up in the last second. I want to I wanna redo it. You just have to wait until that thing randomly shows up again, which can take a while or can be almost immediate. I mean, there were times where I would play a level, die, get sent to a random level, die in that one, and get taken back to the one just before that. And then there were times where I was playing for 20 minutes and I never saw the level again. And that's a little bit frustrating, having no agency in what level I play. Um... But outside of that, I like it. It's just that it is a very short little thing. It's a, a snack. And I know there's a delicious meal in the form of N++ out there that I own. And I think a lot of people own. If you don't and you're looking at these two games, it's just like, yes, zero 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 is 5 bucks. It may still be on sale for 4 bucks by the time of this episode. And it's an easy 1,000 achievements. It's very bite-sized. But N++ is 15 bucks, has over 4,000 handcrafted levels. Who knows how many user-generated levels. You can create your own levels if you want. It's got more charm to it. It feels better. And it's just an overall better experience. Which isn't to say 0, 0, 0, 0 isn't good. It's just that... There's this like amazing alternative if you haven't played it. If you, if you've played the N plus plus game or any of the end games, and you're like, I want something else because I've gotten my fix of those. It, it's a nice little side dish, but um, don't expect a huge experience. But you you shouldn't, given that it's five dollars regular price. I think four bucks on sale. Uh, I, I, I'd say check, check it out. If you are somebody who's going to be going at it for achievements and trophies, just know that the trophy slash achievements for getting through however many levels, completing like 30-something levels, you have to do that all in one sitting. Uh, you can save and quit, which will save your progress, though it seemed like it reset that when I quit out of the game completely and then restarted it. But if you save and quit and then are sent to the main menu, then restart, it'll still have your progress there if you continue. But like it's tracking your time when you initially start the game, and then that goes away. It's like, nope, you're you're continuing, so the timer is gone. It's negated. You also can't get any of those achievements. So if you finish 20 levels, save and quit, and then return, and then finish another 20 levels to get where you would be able to unlock the achievement, it's not going to unlock. So just be aware of that if you are somebody who's getting it solely for that reason. Then Read Remastered uh, is really pretty. I like the look of it a lot. It's very, very colorful and cute and sharp. And I just, I, I really like the look of it. I hate the audio. It has got some incredibly annoying bits of audio where the blaze will be spinning and arrows will be shooting and at times it feels like there's a noise that is telling me oh your health is low uh, and it's just constantly beeping 
that doesn't seem related to the flip flip the flip, 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 flip of the arrows or the of the spitting blade, but I could just be losing my mind in that particular sense. But ignoring the audio thing, just play the game on mute. I made a joke about that in the video review, a terrible joke referencing a an incubus song. But um while the controls are slippery and I found myself jumping and then accidentally dying by hitting a spike that I just kind of like slid into more often than I would like enough that I, I would say it wasn't just user error. Um, I still enjoy the game and the experience overall and felt a sense of accomplishment after overcoming those levels and those hurdles that were giving me issue. But I, I think there was a chance for it to be something really great if the controls were just a little bit tighter. They're not super slippery or super loose. They're just ever so slightly loose. Like it's just, I just need a wrench so I can tighten it just a little bit. Then Project Starship is a, a shmup, which is got to be a mobile game board because it looks very zoomed in and blurry and just overall really janky and rough around all the edges and the rough edges look like they're rough around the edges it's a very like thrown together game it seems but there's something charming about it because they also have like regular people doing the sound effects and it just sounds like you or me doing the things like oh Oh, there's a power up, and I'm like, this is, this is weird, but I kind of dig it. The the garage band feel of it all. As a shmup, it's okay. Uh, you can play as one of two characters, and yeah, it's it's very basic. There's not a lot to it. It's another easy achievement game, and yeah, I played it a few days ago. And I kind of have already forgotten the gist of it. So how does it work? You go around and you shoot enemies and you get a bunch of power-ups. You will eventually, or not eventually, you randomly get encounters. I forget what they're called. But like at points during a, a, a level, a random encounter or whatever will happen and that'll either bring like an asteroid storm or some kind of unique attack maybe a skull will show up and start throwing things at you and you have to just endure that moment for however long it takes which is probably around like 30 seconds and then you get back to the the proper level and then keep going um the thing i i just remembered and this is very important is that the feedback on hitting enemies with your guns sucks. There is no feedback outside of the visual feedback of instead of the bullets just going off into the distance, you see them like having a little splash damage uh, against an enemy. But there's no audio feedback. There's no real visual feedback outside of seeing that they're hitting. But I mean, there's not like a little bit of screen shaking or, or something that is letting me know, yes, I'm hitting this enemy and I'm doing damage. It's like, like no. It just it it is very uh it's it's not satisfying so <laughs> I struggled there because I'm like is it unsatisfying is it dissatisfying I always with satisfying I'm always like which one is it 
unsatisfying, dissatisfying. It's just not satisfying. That's what it is. Um, so yeah, that really bummed me out about like, there's an, an odd charm to it, but unless you are just looking for a game to get some easy achievements in and trophies and all that, I, I would avoid Project Starship. Then AO International Tennis, I played because I've been itching for a new tennis game for a very long time. I love tennis games. I love tennis in real life. And Tennis World Tour, which I played sometime last year, I really hated. I thought it felt like crap and looked like crap, and I just hated the experience overall. Uh, I heard good things about AO International Tennis, that they really supported it well after launch, and they made it into a really good experience. Uh, So I can't speak to how it's changed since launch and if that is accurate or not, but playing it, it looks decent. Um, It's not amazing or anything. You know, it's not like it's incredibly beautiful, which you'd maybe want to expect given that we're this late in the generation and there isn't a lot on screen compared to other sports games, but it looks pretty solid, runs well, and it plays well. That That's the most important thing. It plays pretty well. I was a bit surprised at first that it was more semi and that you don't just hit the ball and, you know, it goes in the direction you point uh, in a very simplistic way. You actually see on screen a little tiny cursor-esque thing on the ground, which is where... I don't think it's exactly where your ball is going to go, but it's in the direction. So you have to kind of make sure that you're not putting that that cursor on the very edge. You have to be a little bit back. And there's just a lot more uh, control over where you're placing the ball. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I quickly got in the, the rhythm of things and it was doing pretty well on the normal difficulty. I did not, I'm not sure if there's a tor- tutorial. I, I hope there is because I did not get a sense for how the, the serving worked at all. It's just like I threw the ball up and then I could aim it a bit, but I'm like, I don't know how I'm getting more or less power out of this, what I need to do. Uh, there's no real power meter or anything. But if you're looking for a tennis game, uh, on current consoles, I think AO International Tennis is worth checking out. The second one did just come out. I'm sure it makes significant changes and is better, but the first one is 20 bucks. And if you want to play a tennis game, I, I think it's definitely a worthy tennis game. And I'm, I'm just basing this off of like, a half hour of playing it or so not not even that much to just play like one match so yeah maybe it'll all fall apart as i venture more into it but my initial impressions are hey this actually feels pretty good and then that's it in terms of what i've been playing uh, uh as far as what i've been watching i mentioned earlier high fidelity so i watched the entire series despite not really liking it i don't know why i just did it was easy to watch while cooking and, and whatnot. So one of my initial thoughts while watching it was, why does this exist? Why do we need a high-fidelity TV series? And that was something that 
I was thinking of because they take a lot of beats from the movie. And I, I want to make this point known immediately. I have not read the book. I do not know how the movie differs from the book and how the show may be more similar in ways and different in ways from the book or anything like that. So I'm, I'm just comparing High Fidelity, the movie, and the TV show. So it takes certain parts, a lot of parts from the movie, and just redoes them beat for beat, basically. And that's annoying. So if you don't know anything about the TV series, it basically does a gender swap. So this time, Rob, who was played by John Cusack in the movie, is played by, what's her name? The Kravitz, Zoe Kravitz, I think is her name, who is the daughter of, what's what's his name? Lenny Kravitz. And then the woman from Cosby Show, who was in High Fidelity as the singer, whose name I, I have no idea what her name is. But um, that's a kind of fun uh, way the two are related. Uh, you have the, the daughter of the singer from the, the movie playing the lead role in the TV show. So it's this gender swap thing. So now, you know, it's, it's about a woman instead of a guy. And I'm sure people are like, well, that's why it exists, so that we can have it. But this time, it's about a woman instead of a guy. And I'm like, okay, fine. But did it have to be called High Fidelity? Is that such a strong name that it's like, oh, this will get people to watch because High Fidelity is such a huge, beloved thing that so many people, like, I feel like it's a way more of a cult thing. But um, it takes a lot of things and just redoes them. And that's a little frustrating, but I guess you could just say, well, it's, you know, it's basing it off the, the book and those things are in the book. So you can't just change it all. And this gets more to my point. Why does it have to be a high fidelity show? Why does it have to be that? It doesn't make sense to me. I also like, I am fine with gender swapping and all that. Okay. It doesn't bother me, but I am annoyed by one part of her character so the lead, Rob, is played by, again, Zoe Kravitz, who is a woman of color. Great, wonderful, fine. But she's also a queer woman of color. And why I am bothered by her being queer is because it feels so thrown in there. I am a queer person myself, and her queerness is so fucking light that I'm like, why? this is just in here so that you can technically call her a queer woman and be like, hey, we've, we've got a queer woman. Like, this is a show about a queer woman. She's a queer woman in the sense that when she's talking about her five greatest exes, her f five biggest heartbreaks, as if you've watched the movie or whatever and, and you know that part of the story, one of her exes is a woman. You know what the other four exes are? They're all men. You know what the two guys she's seen as she's heartbroken over the guy who was her fiance who broke up with her. They're both male. She shows no interest in women at all outside of this one part of her life where she just happened to be in a relationship with a woman for a year. It feels so tacked on and just there so they could technically call her a queer. Like maybe I'm being a little bit too nitpicky. I don't know. But um, I found that incredibly annoying as not even as a queer person because I technically am queer identify as non-binary, but I don't really identify as queer. It's a weird thing. I don't really feel accepted in that community because to those outside of the queer 
the LGBTQ community, they may think, oh, they're, they're all very welcoming to all queer people. That's not the case. There's still a lot of um, hate and closed, I don't know, closed mind. Like, but like people who identify as trans or non-binary are, especially non-binary people, in my experience, are, are not looked at in the same light because they feel like there's a lot of non-committalness to us. Like, how can you be nothing? Pick a side. You know, it, being non-binary, that, that's not a real thing. And I get that way more from the queer community than the regular normie community. Uh, so yeah, that aspect of her annoyed me because I'm just like, I, I hate it when shows movies etc shoot in queerness just to have that and think that that is enough to to be that that's good enough for representation that's not that that just having like this little bullet point well she had this relationship with a woman so she's queer yay we've got a queer woman we've got a show about a queer woman no no that's not how it works for me at least i'm sure there are people like yeah she's a queer woman I'm like fuck no no she's not I don't I don't buy that she's a queer woman um then <laughs> another issue I have with the show is that her relationship with the the main heartbreak who I don't even remember what his name is I think Simon is her ex who turned out to be gay and works at the shop now I can't remember the name of her the one she's really heartbroken over but there is no chemistry between them. I don't buy their love at all. So every time they're on screen together or she's thinking about him and they go back to the memories of times with him, I'm like, I don't get anything from you too. This new guy who's come into your life, there's chemistry there. I like watching you two play off each other. But this guy you're supposedly head over heels of, who you were engaged to, there is nothing there. I don't buy it at all. And when I watch the movie again, I'm like, I actually get this relationship and this chemistry between the two romantic leads i feel it and when they're fighting and having you know the the difficulty of the breakup before they eventually get back together i'm like i feel like there's something strong here and and the difficulty uh, that you're going through but in the show i'm just like i don't buy this shit at all this this doesn't work at all and then there's a, a scene where I think it's Parker Posey who plays the artist and she goes to her place to get some record collection. And that whole scene, that whole episode, because it's pretty much all about that. I fucking hated it so much. It's just so annoying. And the way it played out, like it doesn't make sense. It's just, I guess it's in the book in maybe that exact way or in a similar way, but I just, I'm I don't know. I don't know why I kept watching it. I think I kind of kept watching it because it has some highs. Whenever she was with this other guy, I'm like, I, I can feel something there. I think the co-workers at a store are good, but the version of Jack Black's character they have in the show is played by, I wish I knew her name because I like her. I like her in this as well, but... um. Big black woman who is, who was also in uh, My Name is Dolomite as the main female uh, actor in that, who was very good in that. I, I really like her. 
she's good in this, but and this isn't anything against her because I don't think anyone could match the energy of Jack Black in High Fidelity. He just brought something special to that role, and he can't like it. It would be like someone coming in and playing Logan for X Men. I, I don't feel like, in my mind, at least right now, still, I don't, I don't think anyone can match uh, Hugh Jackman as Logan. I don't think anyone can match Jack Black as whatever his name is, but. Yeah, she she's she's good. She's just like uh, uh, nobody else. She, she's just not Jack Black. They do have a version of the "Hey, look, she can actually sing" at the end, but it's a much uh, a softer version of that, not in front of a crowd or anything, which was nice, but lacked the impact of seeing Jack Black on stage at the very end of the movie singing. Um, what else is there to say about this show? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if it's already been renewed for a second season. I'll probably give it a go because she ends up not going back. Like another thing about it is that in the movie, in in both cases, Rob's not a great person. But in the movie, they break up, and it's like three weeks later. She's not in a serious relationship or anything like that. So when he, you know, kind of wants her back and all this jazz. Uh, and things are coming out like the fact that he cheated and all this, you know, the fact that they end up back together makes sense. In addition to the fact that they just had chemistry in this version in this, the the TV series, they were broken up for a year. He went off back to England or whatever, and then he comes back with a fiance, and she's like, I mean, she ends up breaking that up and it's just like she just seems extra worse in that sense and he's a piece of shit too like it's just like these two people who i'm supposed to believe love each other deeply i don't buy that i also don't like either of them and yeah i was disappointed yet i watched the whole thing so i don't know what the fuck that tells you and then a beautiful day in the neighborhood i'll get through that quickly because i feel like i'm i went on way too long about high fidelity but a beautiful day in the neighborhood i watched maybe half of it and i just i couldn't keep watching it the fictitious nature of the story really bothered me i could tell it from watching it also the the, the fact that at the very beginning, it's inspired by a true story, not based on a true story, even though based on a true story doesn't mean it's going to be beat for beat, factual. But like, I could tell that it was being manipulative and like Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers means so much to me and he's such a good human being, yet the movie somehow manages to put him even higher on a pedestal in a way that makes all that is good about him feel artificial. There's an artificiality to it all that I found very unsettling and, 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 and made me not uncomfortable, but it just, as someone who grew up with Mr. Rogers and, and has him as such a, a, a strong part of the childhood, it, it really bothered me. Um, the movie starts off with the, the reporter going to his sister's wedding and his father shows up and he ends up punching his father. None of that happened in real life. His sister never had this wedding, never punched his father. 
his father was apparently, I guess, an alcoholic. The 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 actual reporter said, like, you know, but they never had. He, I think, he said that they never had this kind of hostile relationship. And there are other elements of it that are just based on nothing. So it feels like a a, a weird movie that is just trying to make. I don't know. Like Fred Fred Rogers, like you don't need to make Fred Rogers more good or idealize him more than I don't know. It just didn't work for me at all. And at times Tom Hanks disappears into the role and gets his mannerisms and way of speaking just perfectly, but there are times when it's just a little bit off and those are very unsettling as well where it's just like oh this is nope you're not that's not right this is a little off uh so that was something i expected and it was part of why i wasn't super excited about it because i'm just like i'm gonna see tom hanks when i watch this i I don't think you can disappear into the role at times he manages to do that but at times uh, other times he does not um yeah I was, I guess, disappointed, even though I didn't go in, uh, into it with high expectations. Um, yeah, I was just like, oh, I'll just go watch the documentary again. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it in terms of what I've been watching and playing. I've been playing some other stuff that I can't talk about just yet. But, uh, yeah, I think I'll be playing some mini ninjas this weekend. And I was thinking about it. I'm probably going to play now, whenever the episode goes up, I don't know. But I think after I play Mini Ninjas, I want to play through Anthem for Attack the Backlog. Because I want to play through it before, even though the updates won't happen for months at this point still. I do want to play Anthem before the big changes happen. So I think I want to play that next. uh, After Mini Ninjas, of course. But um, yeah, that will do it. For this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. Besides, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog, both of which are available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. If you'd like to check out the video version of Attack the Backlog or the video reviews and other such videos, you can go over to youtube.com slash sausage. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com. If you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for watching. Nope. Thank you for listening, as always. God, I gotta get over that. This is no longer a video show. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely weekend. Bye!